Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been on a series called Transformational Living, and if you would, let's go to the verse we've been reading for three weeks. This is Romans chapter 12, and I want you to look at the screens. Would you read this with me together today? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Is anybody helping me on this? Okay, let's start over. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You did so good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today. Lord, let your word dwell richly in our hearts. Our minds are open. Our minds are receptive. And Lord, speak to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Many years ago, there was a man who was raised Baptist, but he lived in a predominant Catholic neighborhood and community. Every Friday afternoon after work, he would go to his backyard and he would cook steaks out on the grill. And all of his Catholic friends would smell that wonderful aroma of steaks going through the neighborhood and every Friday they were eating fish. And so they were a little angry at him and they said, you know, you need to become a Catholic. So after some uh, coercion, he became a Catholic. The priest came over and sprinkled some water over him and said, you were once a Baptist, now you're a Catholic. And so the next Friday he went to his backyard after work and he put the steaks right back on the grill. And he began to cook those steaks and the Roman went through the neighborhood and his uh, folks uh, and his neighbors were kind of confused and they said, you know, I thought you converted to Catholicism. He said, I did. And they said, well, you're still cooking steaks. So he raised the lid, sprinkled some water over the steak, said, you were once a steak, now you're a fish. <laughs> How many of you wish that transformation was that easy? I wish transformation was that easy. We, we, we love the idea of change. We just don't like the process to get changed. I would like to quit eating cinnamon rolls on Monday and lose 30 pounds by Friday. Somebody should have shouted on that one. Wouldn't that have been good? But transformation is never like that. We've been talking about you can't have transformational living until you have transformational thinking. You can't change your life until you change the way you think. So according to this verse, transformation or transform life comes through a renewed mind and new thinking. George Bernard Shaw said, those who cannot change their mind cannot change anything. And it's really true. There's only three occasions that this word transformation in the original Greek word metamorpho, which we get the word metamorphosis from. It's, it's that ugly caterpillar that turns into a beautiful butterfly. It goes through a metamorphosis. And so Paul takes this word here in Romans chapter 12 and this is one of the, the ways that he uses this word and it's one of the, the, the accounts and the references this word is used. But there's two others. The second is found in Matthew 17. And in Matthew 17, Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he goes to a mountain. 
Now I want to read that account because the word transfigured in this passage that we're getting ready to read is that same Greek word that's used over in Romans 12, metamorpho, or, or the metamorphosis or the transformation. So the word transfigured or transfiguration is the same word. Verse 1, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as the light, and there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So Jesus had already told them previously, there are some here speaking to his disciples that will not see death until they see me coming, the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. And I think this is the the account or the moment where they saw him in his glory as he would be in the kingdom. How many of you know, when we see Jesus the next time, he will not be the way he appeared the first time. And he made that very clear. When he was being tried, he even told those accusers, he said, the next time you see me, it will not be like this. How many of you know, the first time he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the next time he rides in, how many of you know he won't be on a donkey? He'll be on the white horse with the armies of heaven with him and the angels of heaven, and he's going to reign forever and ever and ever. So they got a glimpse of him in his kingdom, and so we see this transformation or this metamorphosis happening to Jesus. So how do we know that there's a real transformation? A real transformation will always have change. A real transformation will always have changed. Now, if you walk down the aisle and you shake the preacher's hand and you become a member, that does not get you into heaven unless you have met Jesus Christ and there's been a real change in your life. How many of you would agree with that? Well, Brother Ben used to say, he said, you say you're saved, saved from what? You're still doing the same old things you always did. So real transformation, there is a change. They saw him transfigured, his countenance changed, his clothes changed, his face shone like the sun, and there he's with Moses and Elijah fulfilling the law and the prophets because he's ushering in the new kingdom. So transformation, when it occurs, there is a real change. The third reference to this word about transformation is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. Listen as I read. But we all, say that with me, but we all, let's say it again, but we all, do we have any alls here? All of us are here. So all of us apply to this, but we all with unfailed vase, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, three observations. If you have a pencil and paper, get it out. Three things I want you to catch just in this one verse. The first one is unveiled face. Say that with me. Unveiled face. Now, he's referring to the Old Testament account when Moses would go up to the mountain to talk with God. How many of you remember that? So he'd go up there. Sometimes he'd be there for about 40 days. And he would talk to God. He'd be in the presence of God, the glory of God. And when he came down from the mountain, how many of you know he did not look the same when he came down than he did when he went up? When you have an encounter with God, you will not look the same when you leave as when you came. Amen? So his face was shining. He was shining so much, the people said, Moses, we can't stand to look at your face. Now, I've been told that, but it wasn't because of what Moses was going through here. So he says, 
okay, what, what I do? And they said, let's put a veil over your face because you're reflecting the glory of God so much that we can't really look upon your face. So this is the reference. Now what Paul does, he takes that Old Testament reference, he brings it up to us today under the New Covenant, and he says this is how transformation happens. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So are we willing, now catch this, are we willing to open up our lives? Are we willing to pull the veil back? Are we willing to pull the facade back and the mask back because so many times we go through life with this huge mask on our face? Would you agree with that? I don't want anybody to see who I am. I don't want you to know my insecurities. I don't want you to know about my marriage. I don't want you to know about my addiction. I don't want you to know about my issue, my habit, my hang-up, whatever it is. But for us to really have transformation, listen closely, for us to really have transformation, how many of you know there's got to be a moment in your life you pull all that back? You've got to get before the Lord and say, Lord, this is who I am. With all the bumps, the warts, the dirt, the baggage, the stuff in the trunk, this is who I am. So we have to come, and this is what the Word says, you have to come with what? Unveiled faces. So we pull back the facade. The second observation in this, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now first he says, it's like looking in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, you see yourself as you really are. How many of you, we're going to vote here in a minute, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? It was sobering, wasn't it? <laughs> About six o'clock, I go in and look in the mirror. My hair's going everywhere. I got this gray tint on my face. Y'all are so holy. <laughs> I got a little drool coming out the side of my mouth. I, I could knock over a toad frog with my breath. And I look in the mirror and I say, this is reality right here. You're getting the new improved version right now from this morning. But when you look in that mirror, guess what you do? You see yourself as you really are. Looking in the mirror, seeing yourself. And when we see ourselves, when I began at 6 and when I left about 7-ish, uh, I went through a transformation. My shower helped me transform. Brushing my teeth helped me transform. A little stuff under here helped me transform. If you didn't get it, you need to be transformed. We're moving to a new seat. <laughs> the clothes helped me. Clean underwear, new socks, putting on clean jeans. So when I went back to the mirror, I could see there was a difference from the first time I looked in the mirror to the last time I looked in the mirror till I got in my car and I left and I came here. Now, this is what he's saying. You, you know this happens. This also happens spiritually. So this is who you are. You show up. You're in this condition. You see yourself changing, being transformed, beholding in a mirror. Now notice this, the glory of the Lord. Say that with me. The glory of the Lord. So what happens when we look into that mirror? You see, this is what God told Moses. No man can see me and live. So what's Moses seeing? He's seeing the glory of the Lord. What do we see? We see the glory of the Lord. So we're looking in the mirror, this reflected glory of God, and every time we look in the mirror, we're exposing ourselves to his glory. 
We're presenting ourselves. This is what Paul says in Romans 12. He said, present yourself as a living sacrifice. You don't have to present yourself. You don't have to look in the mirror. You don't have to come to God. You don't have to expose yourself to the glory of God, but you'll be better if you do. You'll look better if you go to the mirror. Have you ever tried to part your hair, comb your hair, try to shave without the mirror? It's kind of tough. You, it's okay, if I got this, get everything on, you know, is, is the straight part. The only way you can see if you go to the mirror. So when you go to the mirror, you see, is that being transformed? Is it being changed? We expose ourselves to his glory. And Paul says we have to present ourselves. Here he says we have to expose ourselves in the mirror to the glory. And here's the last observation there. Transform into the same image from glory to glory. So whose image are we looking to transform ourselves into? Christ's image. We see ourselves, but what God is trying to do, he's trying to bring us into a different image. This is who I was, this is who I can be, and as I'm being transformed, this process is taking place. So, Pastor, how does that work? Every time you and I get into the presence and the glory of God, now notice what he said, it's from glory to glory. Say that with me. From glory to glory. So this is a progressive, this is a progressive thing. You can be saved in a moment. I believe that. God can take the old man out, put the new man in, never undo a button on your shirt. But the process of transformation for you being discipled and becoming all you can be in Christ is a process. Listen, we love the thought of transformation. We just don't like the process. We want it to be instant. We live in an instant society. Microwave it. Sometimes God crockpots it, right? I mean, he's in the crockpot mode. So, so we want to microwave. We want it to be fast. Zap me, zip me, make me. And the Bible says it's from what? Glory to glory. Every time you hear the word preached, something happens in you. Every time you hear it taught, something happens in you. Every time you come and you're exposed to the worship like we had this morning, something happens to you. Every time you get in his presence, you meditate, you read the word, you get on your knees and pray, you're going down the road, and the Shekinah glory of God comes down in your car. Every time you're exposed to the glory of God, something happens in you. It's not all one dose. It's precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. He says we're changed from glory to glory. That's why it's necessary for you to assemble, you to pray, you to fellowship, you to read, you to hear, because every time you and I are being changed from glory to glory, something is being transformed in our life. Can I hear an amen? amen. The Spirit of the Lord transforms us from being encounter to encounter, glory to glory, faith to faith, and when we don't do that, we're slowing down our progress and our transformation. You see, we can know this, and information is never enough because we've been talking about what? Information, inspiration, transformation. You see, information in itself does not transform you. You can know the information but do nothing about it. I said two weeks ago, I know smoking's bad, I know drinking's bad, I know drugs bad, I know eating too many donuts is bad. Um, I know those things are bad, but sometimes we still do those things. Why? We have the information, we don't have the inspiration to stop or do or not to do or whatever. But listen, it's only when we're inspired to act 
on what we know that true transformation happens. Happens. You see, the, the 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 inspiration becomes the connection between the information and the transformation. So we have to know it, be inspired to do it, then we get into transformation. How many of you understood that? So are there indicators? Are there signs? that transformation is, has, and will be occurring? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Sometimes the reason we don't become who we can be is because we're too comfortable of who we are now. And we don't want to change. Let's take a couple of case studies this morning. Would that be okay with you? Let's take a, a fellow by the name of Levi or Matthew. Now Matthew is Jewish. But he is a publican, not a republican, but a publican. Everybody okay? He's a publican. Now what does that mean? He's a tax collector for the Romans. These people are hated with a passion. Now let me tell you why. They were considered traitors. No one likes the tax man sometimes. So here he is. He's a tax collector. He's collecting tribute and taxes for the Romans. And he's collecting it from his own people. That they hate the Romans are occupying their land. So pick it up. Chapter 9 verse 9. As Jesus went on from there he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now Matthew leaves this lucrative tax collecting position and job to go follow Jesus. And there was some moment when he wanted not only him to know Jesus, but he throws a banquet, he throws a dinner. Guess who he invites? He invites all of his tax collector friends and his other friends, and they're referred to in this passage as publicans and sinners. Now, the Pharisees hated, or the religious world hated, that Jesus hung out with these kind of people. Now, guess what? He saved a lot of those kind of people. And so, Matthew evidently not only is changed personally, but he wants his friends to be changed because he invites them to his house to hear Jesus and hang around the disciples. So they do come, and I'm wondering if there was a certain one that was in that midst that we'll talk about later. Very possible because he invited all of his tax collector friends, his publican friends, and, and understand, these people were literally despised and hated. It's kind of like the IRS today, but maybe more violent. Someone said, even if your ship comes in, the IRS will help you unload it, even if it does come in. One guy by the name of Bill, he told his friend Bob, he said, Bob, he said, when I die, he said, would you have me cremated? He said, well, I guess so. And he said, what do you want to do with the ashes? He said, put it in an envelope, send it to the IRS, says, now you got everything. So <laughs> how many have ever felt that way before? So let's talk about another guy here. Who is a tax collector? His name is Zacchaeus. Here's the question, and I want to really throw this out to you. Why does this, and this is very clear in the Bible, why does this very wealthy publican tax collector climb a tree to see Jesus? A few years ago, Randy and, and I and Carrie and Mary, we were in Jericho. And we actually went through Jericho, and there was a sign by a tree <laughs> that actually said this is the tree that Zacchaeus went up. I'm not for sure if that was the tree. Maybe that tree survived uh, 2,000 plus years, but I'm not for sure. 
But anyway, the story's true. This guy who is rich and wealthy climbs a tree to see Jesus because he's short. He's not very big. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a rich person climb a tree in a parade. I've never seen a person in a three-piece suit shinny up a tree so they could see all the floats because it's out of character. Why is this guy doing this? So if you'd give me some poetic license today, I'm not trying to change the word of God, but I want to make you think. Could it be this guy who is the tax collector, who is hard, who is wealthy, who's doing this job for the Romans, could it be when he's making his rounds, he goes to a house and he's collecting taxes and the lady answers the door and Zacchaeus says, it's time to pay your taxes. And she says, Mr. Zacchaeus, I have no money to pay my taxes. You see, I've had a medical condition for years and I have been losing blood. I have an issue of blood and I have spent all of my money. How many know this is what the word says? I've spent all of my money on doctors and I am not better. So I have no money left. I have no money to pay the Romans tribute or taxes. And Zacchaeus is upset and says, listen, if you don't pay your taxes, you will be in prison. You must pay your taxes. Mr. Zacchaeus, I'm sorry. I have no money. Spend all my money on doctors. There is none there to pay. And he leaves angry. And let's say he leaves there and he goes to his next stop. Let's say he goes up the road to Gadra. And he goes to a door and he knocks on the door and this beautiful young lady comes to the door. There's kids playing in the yard, kids playing in the house. And Zacchaeus says, listen, ma'am, I'm here to collect the taxes. And she says, Mr. Zacchaeus, I'm sorry. I don't have any money to pay the taxes. You see, something's happened to my husband. I don't know what happened, but I mean, we've been without an income for months and months and months and months. See, my husband began to do this, and then he got into this, and then he got into this, and, and now he's went stark, raving mad. Well, where is he? I'll tell you where he's at. He is living in the cemetery among the tombs. He is demon-possessed. We've tried to go out to get him, to contain him. My friends, my family, the communities went out there, and we tried to chain him up to bring him home. But he is so strong through demonic power. He's breaking changes, and he's changes, changed, and he's sleeping with the dead bodies in the tombs. He is literally crazy. And there's no money in our house. And could it be that he goes across the Sea of Galilee from Gadra, he goes up to the northern part of Galilee, and there he goes to a synagogue, and there's a ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus. And he says, Jairus, time to pay your taxes. Jairus says, Mr. Zacchaeus, I'm sorry. I don't have any money to pay my taxes. You understand that my 12-year-old daughter has been sick for months and months and months, and she is at death's door, and I have paid medical bills and hospital bills. I have no money left. I cannot pay the Romans. I can't pay the taxes. I have no money to give you because my daughter has been at death's door for weeks and months, and I can't do that. And Zacchaeus says, if you don't come up with the money, the Roman guard's going to come and throw you into jail. You've got to pay your taxes. And could it be that he went up a little further up to the northern border of Israel and there he met a woman? And how many of you know everybody in the Roman Empire has to pay taxes? Even Jesus and the disciples had to pay taxes. Do you remember when he was asked, do we go free and everybody else pays taxes? And Jesus said, no, we have to pay taxes. As a matter of fact, he said, Peter, why don't you get your fishing pole, go down to the lake and catch a fish, and the first fish you catch will have a gold coin in it, and it'll be enough to go pay your taxes. How many of you are looking for that fish? Yeah, yeah I'd love to have that fish, wouldn't you? Not only would I get the money, but I'd, I'd have fun getting it. 
We got any fishermen in here? My, my friend Kemp said it's the only sport Jesus ever authorized was fishing. <laughs> so he, he goes up a little further, and, and there's a Syrophoenician woman. And Zacchaeus says, you got to pay your taxes. And she says, uh, Mr. Zacchaeus, I have no money. You see, something's happened to my daughter. I don't know what happened. I don't know if she's been running with the wrong crowd. I don't know if she's listening to the wrong music. I don't know if she's watching the wrong YouTube videos. I don't know if she's got the wrong friends. I, I mean, I don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, she's gone just crazy. And I've spent all my money on psychiatrists and doctors and institutions, and she's none the better. And I have no money. How do you know? Zacchaeus is probably pretty frustrated by now. So he's headed home. And as he goes home, he says, well, there's a guy that lives here. I'll get the taxes. And he goes in and says, you've got to pay your taxes. Roman's got to have the taxes. And the man says, Mr. Zacchaeus, uh, I don't know what happened to me, but I went blind. I can't see, can't work, can't earn a living. I've had to humble myself down to sitting on the side of the road and to beg. And I hate it. And I only get enough money just to put food in my mouth. I have no money to pay my taxes. And Zacchaeus says, you've got to pay your taxes. I don't care who you are. I'll be back by in a few months. And how many of you know he's had a dry run here? And could it be when he went on his next trip, he went back to the first woman's house and said, do you have the money to pay your taxes? And she said, Mr. Zacchaeus, I actually have the money. You will not believe what happened to me. I thought I was going to die. I spent all my money on doctors and I've been none the better. But one day I heard a man that was coming through our town. And someone said he is the Messiah, the rabbi, the teacher, and the healer. And I thought in my mind and I said to myself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And guess what? I got down on my hands and knees and I crawled through that press and crowd and I touched his robe and immediately my blood stopped, my body was healed and I am able today to pay my taxes, Mr. Zacchaeus. Wow. And could it be the next stop was there at Gadra and the young lady, the mother, the wife comes to the comes to the door and says, uh, Mr. Zacchaeus, good to see you. Not really, but good to see you. I know you're here to collect taxes and we can pay today because look behind me, there is my husband playing with the kids in the backyard. And let me tell you a story, Mr. Zacchaeus. You see, one day there was a man called Jesus whose boat landed on the shore of Gadra. And my husband, even in his wild, wild mind and his demonic, demonic possession, he fell at his feet and the devil spoke out of my husband. And Jesus sent the devils out of my husband. And here he is, clothed in his right mind, and something happened to him. And my husband even wanted to go follow Jesus. But he said, no, go back home and tell them what God has done in your life. Isn't that amazing? And maybe he went to the, to the next one. Maybe he goes to see J. Iris. And J. Iris sees Mr. Zacchaeus. And he says, 
hey, I have the money to pay my taxes now. You'll never know what happened. One day, this man by the name of Jesus came to our town, and I'd heard he was a healer, so I went to him and said, Jesus, my, my 12-year-old daughter is so sick. She, she's dying. Can you come to my house? And and, and, and can you do something for her? And he said, I will. And we were headed there, but on the way, there was this woman who got down and touched the hem of his garment and delayed his coming. Goodness gracious, I wish you hadn't have done that because my friends from the house came and said, don't bother the master anymore because your daughter's dead. And listen, my heart sunk. But Jesus looked at me and he said, don't fear, have faith. Only believe. And we went to our house and he put everybody out. He went in that bedroom, took my daughter's hand and said, young lady, arise. And he left that bedroom and took my 12-year-old daughter and gave her back to me and her mother. And Zacchaeus, listen, our lives have changed because now we can pay our taxes. And what if he went back to the Syrophoenician woman and she said, Mr. Zacchaeus, you'll never believe this, but there was a guy who came through our coast, our, our, our country, and I know that I'm a stranger from Israel, but I begged him. I begged him to come and help my daughter. And he was kind of rude to me. He said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. But I was so desperate, I said, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's table. And he said, go home for your daughter is well and in her right mind. And guess what? When I went home, she was well. So Mr. Zacchaeus, I got your taxes. And could it be when he went home, he went back by where that blind man used to beg. And when he found him, he said, can you pay your taxes? He said, I can. You, you'll never understand what happened, Mr. Zacchaeus. A man came through our city, and I'd heard about him, and I cried out with a loud voice, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he asked the stupidest question, what can I do for you? And I said, duh. How many of you know this is Mike's interpretation? <laughs> that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done to you. Do you think maybe Zacchaeus was at that banquet that Matthew threw? Do you think the reason he climbed the sycamore tree is because everywhere he went, he saw transformation, 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 transformation. And he said this, I got to see this for myself. I got to see this for myself. And he climbed up into the tree. And this is what is recorded. Listen as I read. The Bible says that Zacchaeus is in the tree, Luke 19, chapter 5. When Jesus reached the spot, everybody say spot. Reached the spot. How many of you know some things just hit the spot? When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be guest of a sinner. Do, do we have to wonder what they thought of Zacchaeus? What are they calling him? Not by his name. That's that old sinner. That's old Zacchaeus. That's the publican who steals us of our taxes and robs us and keeps part of it. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here am I. 
Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. How many of you would agree with me Zacchaeus has been transformed? Why do we know he's transformed? Because he's doing things he didn't do before. He's not doing things he did before. He's saying, I'm willing to get this right, not only with you, but with everybody else. There's a transformation that happens. There's a transformation that happened in Peter's life. No longer you, Simon. Now you're Peter, the rock. No longer you, Saul of Tarsus. Now you're Paul, the apostle. No longer you, this. Now you're that. Anybody here need a transformation? Anybody here has got something you're trying to overcome? Could it be your marriage that needs to be transformed? You need a new start, second chance? Could, could it be that today you have lost faith, maybe depression has set in? When the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of transformation, you'll change. Because sometimes the pain to stay where you're at is so tremendous that you're looking for that new step of faith to go forward. You know, um, I said this in the early service, and I want to share it with you. I'm not looking for a church where I can be comfortable. If you're looking for a church to be comfortable in, you're in the wrong church. No, I want you to be here, but I'm just saying you're in the wrong church. You see, I'm looking to be challenged. I said this to someone uh, many years ago because sometimes when I preach, people say, well, hey, you stepped all over my toes. And, and I say, it's a pretty poor sermon that doesn't hit me somewhere because I need transformation. I need to be changed from glory to glory, faith to faith. I need to be on that upward road, don't you? I need to press to the mark, the high calling of Jesus Christ. I don't need to stay the same. I don't need to stay in the same place. I want to have some progress. I want to have some transformation. I want to build the kingdom. I want Mike's life to change. I want our marriage to be better. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I need to be a better minister. I need to be a better child of God. How many of you know we're all in the process of transformation? and progress and we should be on that but sometimes sometimes we have invisible walls and invisible bars and chains and gates that lock us in do you realize that right now that whatever you're locked into it could be abuse it could be a bad marriage it could be an abusive marriage it could be depression it could be anything maybe you have bad feelings to somebody maybe you're discouraged today maybe you're kind of sitting around going nye, 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 nye. Those bars that hold you are invisible. Those chains that hold you are invisible. The only way you give them credence is you give in to them. You've got to press through it. You've got to believe there's transformation. You've got to believe that through the power of Jesus Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and by faith in the Word of God, you can break out of those chains, out of those bars, and out of that prison. Because God is what? He's transforming us from glory to glory, faith to faith, to become what we can be, not just what we are. Because nothing wrong with what we are, but the potential in you is greater than where you're at right now. And so therefore, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I'm about to preach myself happy. You see, the Word and the Spirit and the worship and the prayer and the interaction between 
believers changes us from glory to glory. That next week, hopefully I'm better than I was last week. I wish the chart would go like this. How many of you wish the chart would go like this? How many of you know sometimes it goes like this? But if you can just keep gaining a little ground, there's dips and there's valleys, there's ups and downs, there's victories and there's, there's challenges. But I want you to know, Jesus is the one common denominator in all those stories that I kind of took the liberty to talk about Zacchaeus. The thing that happened was transformation. The one who caused the happening was Jesus. How many of you know it's all about Jesus? It's all about him. And once I bring him into my life, then the transformation, not just the salvation, but the transformation begins to change. But if you want to stay there, if you want to be stuck, if you want to park, camp out, he'll let you. You have to present yourself. Paul said you have to take off the veil and expose yourself to the glory of God. And when we do, transformation begins to happen. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.